Highly appreciated. Rob Beasy, we will catch up with you later on for more updates on traffic. Later on this morning, party with PH coming up just after 7.30. So let's uh, try and understand here the uh, behavioral patterns of the killers that have brought misery and terror to communities across our country. I mean, the small village of um, Dualume in the south uh, side of uh, KwaZulu-Natal is just a case in point. And we've seen a series of, of murders there. Really, really is disturbing. Joining us on the line is Professor Gerald Labuskakhni, Director of L&S Threat Management. Good morning, Prof. Hi, good morning, everybody. Thanks for making time to speak to us. When we look at um, situations like this, where there's been a series of murders in a particular area at the hands of an individual, what do we classify them as and how should we define them as it were? Yeah, so I think, I mean, when I was listening to this as it broke over the, over the few months, I mean, my initial concerns were that this was a serial, a serial murder. Um, mm. We define a serial murderer. I mean, there's been lots of definitions over the years, and academics and law enforcement are always fighting about the criteria. But in 2005, the FBI called a whole bunch of academics and law enforcement people together to one meeting to kind of get some consensus. And I was very fortunate enough to have been invited along to attend that meeting. And really the definition that came out of that is that when you have two separate murders committed by the same person or persons, we start to then call it a serial. Now, you can have different motives. So you can have like Moses Satoli, who was more of a sexually motivated serial murderer. Mm -hmm. You can have the taxi hitman who's motivated by different reasons. But they would all fall into that overall classification of being a serial murderer once they committed their second murder series. So when, when I was hearing this, you know, the fact that we had bodies being discovered in the same particular geographical area is always a warning sign that we used to teach in the police, that if you start to find mm-hmm. bodies in one small geographical area, if it's um, usually typically uh, adult black females found naked or there's some sexual element to the crime scene, then you should really start to treat this as a serial until you find information to the contrary. Hmm. Prof, when I look at uh, a lot of crime stories that take place, especially overseas, I find that the police um, often look into profiling just to try and identify some of the traits and character traits that make up this person or motivates them for killings. Um, Does the same happen in South Africa? And how do we go about trying to characterize the person behind serial murders? Yeah, well, interesting enough, since since 1994, the South African police has actually had a profiling capacity, um, which is, if you if you look at most law enforcement agencies throughout the world, despite, despite what you watch on television programs, uh, very few law enforcement agencies actually have profilers. So SAPS has actually had, is one of the few, and had it very early on in its history of professional profiling, um, started by Nikki Pistorius in 94. I joined and took over the unit in 2001, so I was there in charge of that particular unit called the Investigative Psychology Unit from 2001 to 2016. Um, and over those years, it's grown, and, and it's grown more since I've left. So we always developed that unit because of, of the to deal with serial murders in South Africa, because if you might recall, 94, we had Moses Atole, we had a whole bunch of other murder series that seemed to all of a sudden spring up, mm. and SAPS therefore created this capacity. So we would always get involved in training detectives on how to investigate these cases, how to pick them up that you have it. We helped create the necessary structures of the forensics laboratories that we're in the best position to pick this up and then allocate the necessary expertise and resources to deal with these. And one of those is profiling where we would look at what, what's being done to the victim, who is the victimology, circumstances of the crime, and from that, try and deduce features about the suspect. 
Doc, let's just talk about copycat serial murderers. Is there such a thing? And in the case of what we've seen down in the um, KZN area, I mean, the murders have continued, even though the main suspect uh, died, allegedly died in, uh, according to, uh, we've heard there was suicide mm-hmm. in police custody. Do you think, I mean, is there a case of copycat murdering going on here? Or is it a case of there might be multiple murderers? Um. We've never had a copycat serial murderer in the sense of another person starts his murder series because of the previous individual. Um, what we have had on one or two occasions is when there was a confirmed series taking place and an opportunistic person decided this was a great time to get rid of his, his, his wife or his girlfriend that he doesn't like, and then he then left the body in the same geographical area, which was already mentioned in the newspapers. Actually, we had that in KZN mm-hmm. um, with Simo mm-hmm. Twala, who was a serial murderer, and someone killed his, his wife and left her body, hoping that it would be included as part of that series. Hmm. That's happened once or twice. Um, the issue of this particular case where you had another body, I mean, I've had a series, the, the Quarry Murder series in Centurion uh, in 2006, where you know we arrested the guy, he confessed, we found um, um, cell phones belonging to the deceased victims, and uh, two weeks later we get a phone call to come out to a crime scene of a lady in the same area. It happened to be an old body that was discovered only after his arrest, but she had disappeared during the time period of his activity. So the first question I had is, is this a fresh body, if I can use that term, the other lady who has recently been murdered, definitely after the arrest? Then the question becomes, A, did, we, did this guy have an accomplice? B, was it the right guy? And then all those other questions. My first question was, when was, I mean, the fact that you found it now doesn't mean the victim was killed now, and that would be the starting point to determine. But they typically operate as lone offenders, uh, I've had there's a handful of cases where you've had two suspects operating, but typically, I mean, Satoli killed 38 people, actually more than 38, but he was convicted on 38 people, and he did this by himself. So the fact you have multiple victims does not at all mean that you had multiple suspects. Mm. This is absolutely fascinating, and I and I use the word not to to point the excitement around the incidents, but just to get so much insight into this and how it all works. Uh, Professor Labaskakni, we do appreciate your time. I know you're busy writing a book on all of this stuff, your experiences in the police, um, and that you have a podcast as well called The Profiler um, on uh, Apple's podcasting platforms as well. Yeah, so the the, the podcast was really just you know uh, just sort of. We don't, I don't make any money out of that. That's just sort of more interest. I get a lot of people asking me about cases and the work and mm-hmm. what it was like. Mm-hmm. So with a, a colleague of mine, Paul Llewellyn, who's a, who's a journalist, sort of journalist and content producer, we put together this podcast. Uh, so that's freely available to anybody who wants to listen to it. And I think at this point there's 13 episodes of different cases. And, and it goes into about profiling and how, it, how long it's been in South Africa, etc., uh, so that was just really just for a bit of fun. But the book, I mean, people have always asked me when I, since I left the police in 2016, you know, when are you writing your book? And I think it's something that one needs to get a bit distance from. Um, when I left, I was quite burnt out um, after, you know, 14 and a half years of doing this kind of work. I mean, I worked on over 110 murder series, about three or 400 rape series, and countless other cases from Oscar Pistorius to terrorism cases. So... A lot of stuff that I always wanted to write about I didn't feel it was time. And, of course, with lockdown, all of a sudden, everybody had time. So I finally sure. sat down, and I felt I was in the, in the right mental space. And, uh, yeah, thankfully, Penguin uh, gave me a contract, and I actually submitted uh, the first draft yesterday. So we're hoping that it'll be out by March. And that'll contain about sort of six or seven cases, quite in-depth. Uh, it'll go into how what it was like to investigate the case. So I almost take the reader through the, the, the process we went through at the time of the investigation and the ups and downs and the, the challenges that we face. So I hope people will find that interesting. Indeed, it really is, Professor. Thank you for your time, and we're looking forward to uh, your account through the book. Professor Gerald Abbas-Kachnide, Director of LNS Threat Management, just telling us about... Uh,
the ins and outs of uh, working out how these murders happen and what the character traits of these murderers are. Very fascinating. It's 7.30. Let's get into the headlines and sports. Party with PH is ready to rock.